Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Can't believe that it is now the month of May. There used to be a time in churches, uh, you may remember this, some people will never remember what the world was like pre-COVID, but there was a time when we could do more than talk, we could shake hands, we could hug necks. Remember that? That That was a weird world, wasn't it? Anyway, we've heard a lot, we've sang a lot about getting clean, about cleaning up. Uh, God, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, purify us, restore the joy of my salvation. This morning, our sermon is called God Can Clean It Up. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. And just to give you a, a, a recap, we've been looking recently at the early story of a man by the name of Saul. We saw Saul be miraculously converted and saved on the road to Damascus. We saw uh, how the church accepted him in spite of his past, in spite of his, we'll just call it like it is, his potential for evil and even harm. They brought him in, welcomed him in. We saw how God began to use him and uh, to spread the gospel very effectively to the point that he caused a stir amongst his fellow Jews and they, they tried to kill him. And so the church, probably for Saul's sake and for their own sake, They sent him away to Tarsus for a little while. In the meantime, meanwhile, back in the bat cave, I apologize for that, I could not resist. In in the meantime, Luke in in the book of Acts begins to cover the story of Simon Peter, this this incredible character that we were all familiar with, the one who denied Jesus three times, the one who cut off the the ear of the the servant, the one who Jesus restored before he left this earth, this this outspoken fisherman. Uh, we, We go back to his story in Acts chapter 10, and we see that he's traveling from place to place. He's doing his part to share the gospel through his ministry. People are being saved. People are being healed from all kinds of things. Dead people are being raised back to life. Things are going really good. And we find a a really fascinating section at the end of chapter 9. I encourage you to go back and read how God was using Simon Peter in ways that I'm sure Simon Peter never imagined was even possible. And then something crazy happens in Caesarea. An angel comes down and appears to this Roman centurion, this Gentile, and tells him to send for this man, Peter. Have him come to your home. And God is about to teach Peter an incredibly important lesson. That takes us to Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. Let's read this together. The Bible says, The next day, after the angel appeared to Cornelius, the next day as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. He became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. 
And a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter said, for I've never eaten anything impure and ritually unclean. Again, a second time, the voice said to him, What God has made clean, do not call impure. This happened three times, and suddenly the object was taken up into heaven. Isn't that an interesting passage? You read through that passage, and, and you're like, What in the world is this here for? It almost seems out of place. It seems like something we'd read in the Old Testament, right? It's also every hunter's favorite passage. How many people like to hunt? Come on. Take and kill and eat. Any, it's open season, man, free range. Whatever you want to kill and eat, you just kill and eat it. That makes me happy. Anyway, God gives this command. And this passage, though, is not just about eating. It's not just about dietary practices. It's about clean versus unclean. It's about God taking even the worst, the most vile thing, and the most unclean thing, and in His grace, transforming it into something wonderful and useful. And what we're reminded of through these verses is just how messed up that we really are. Who wants to admit that this morning? One dude said amen. He got his hand up. We are messed up, believe it or not. We have hang-ups. We have issues. We have uh, wrong, preconceived notions about other people. We have, uh, some of us, just a really messy past. Some of us have a really messy present. Whatever the case... What we find out today is that God can clean it up. Are you thankful for that? I know that I am. Let's look at our scripture this morning and, and find out what God teaches us. The first thing is that God cleans up misinformed prejudices. So Peter's up here on the housetop at midday. He's praying. And, and I think to appreciate what Peter's experiencing, you have to understand where Peter is. And he's in this city called Joppa. It's present-day Tel Aviv, that, that area in Israel, right on the Mediterranean coast. It's an absolutely beautiful place. Matter of fact, there should be a picture of this, this coast in there. Look at that. It's good-looking people, too, but that coast is beautiful. To me, Tel Aviv is one of the most beautiful places, most beautiful cities in the world. And you can imagine Peter going up on the housetop at midday and just beginning to pray the sea breeze is blowing. You've got the seagulls, and I guess they have seagulls in Israel, those bird, whatever the seabirds are there, flying around. and uh, Just an incredible scene. And he begins to seek the Lord and spend time with God, and all these wonderful things have been going on in his life. He's been healing people. He's seen people come back to life who were dead. He's seen people that he didn't think could be saved, receive Christ, and begin to follow Jesus. And as he's praying to the Lord, all of a sudden, he's distracted. He gets hungry. How many can relate to that? Sometimes when we are seeking God this way, it's amazing how easily we're distracted. Maybe it is from our flesh, our hunger, something like that. Maybe it's from our phones or our Facebooks or our Instagrams or whatever the world it is, your TikTok. I can't even keep up with it this, these days. But we're so easily distracted, especially when we try to spend time with the Lord. But God uses this thing, this simple hunger as an opportunity to teach Peter about his misinformed prejudices, that he has all of these staunch and unyielding beliefs and views due to his Jewish background. And you see, we tend to operate on our misinformed prejudices. They may be well-informed, but they're often misinformed. They may be steeped in tradition. 
They may have been handed down to us from generation to generation. It may be all that we've ever known. It may be just the way we've always done it, the way that we've always believed. It may be what we truly think is right and correct. But no matter how ingrained that bias or that predisposition may be, it must always be weighed against the word of the Lord. And if that hurts your feelings, it may be time for a change. Here in this story, the very word of God comes straight from heaven to Peter. And you've got to understand, it challenges some of his most deeply held views to this point in his life regarding what's right and wrong, regarding what's clean and unclean. And when Peter was probably hoping for this wonderful time with the Lord, God presents him with this nightmare, with this thing filled with all of these unclean things to teach him this important truth. You see, when God challenges our views, and God is right and we're not, we have to make a change. We have to come with a repentant heart. I want to give you an example. Our own convention has had to do this over the years. We've not always been on the right side of things. And one, I think one of the greatest examples that maybe you're not even aware of is at one point, many Southern Baptists supported and upheld the idea of slavery and segregation. And I remember the first church that I got to serve in was actually an historical landmark and in the back, way up there, there was this special balcony that was reserved for slaves. But it took us 150 years to formally address this issue. Thankfully, we did. And 150 years later, in 1995, the Southern Baptist Convention formally repented for racism, for the, the, the possibility of supporting racism, and repudiated the institution of slavery, finally. After 150 years. The point is though. No matter how long a belief has been held. No matter how deeply entrenched it may be in a group. Or even in your own mind or your own heart. No matter how much you think it can't be changed or shouldn't be changed. Listen. When God calls it out and the Holy Spirit convicts. You've got to let God clean it up. And He will. For us it's, it's often difficult. I want you to hear this. Golly. Just turn on yours for just a minute. This is why this is so hard. Our prejudice is always linked to our pride. It makes us reevaluate what we believe, why we believe it, and to determine if we're even willing to take God at His word or if we're going to cling to our feelings and our traditions and our misinformed beliefs. And that can be tough and messy, but when we have a repentant heart and we acknowledge that God is right, we can see him tear down some walls that maybe they've been divisive for a very long time. Not only that, though, this is awesome. Not only can he clean up those messes, but we've got to understand how this process works. These misinformed prejudices can also feed our misguided positions. You ever been, <laughs> you ever been wrong? One guy, again, raising his hand. This is not one of these easy messages to listen to this morning. When we let our wrongful beliefs continue, when we let these views continue, even though they may be well-informed, but they're misinformed, they will eventually become a, a, a position, a stance that we stand on, which results in action and behavior. And Peter found himself in this position, clinging not only to his traditional views of Judaism, but he clung to this unwillingness to let all of that go. The Lord tells Peter, he says, get up, kill, and eat. And in verse 14, what does Peter say? Very adamantly, 
No, Lord. Again, how many times have you said that? No, Lord. Imagine the inner struggle that's taking place in Peter's heart and mind. He has this misinformed religious prejudice, this system that he's lived in his entire life. It's fueled by years of rabbinical teaching. It's supported by lifelong practice and tradition. And in all of that is challenged in a single moment when God says, get up, kill and eat. And Peter, being who Peter was, speaks his mind and heart very openly and says, no, Lord. There was a story about a young Christian that sensed the call to the mission field. But he was very torn about this. He was a successful business person and he wanted to obey the Lord. He wanted to serve on the mission field. But at the same time, he wasn't so sure about sacrificing this comfortable position and everything that he had to go and serve the Lord. And so he reaches out to a veteran missionary and he sits down and talks to him and he's trying to get guidance. And he shares how God has clearly called him to go, but that he's got to leave all this stuff behind to make that happen. And the old missionary simply pulled out his old Bible and he opened it up to Acts 10, 14. When God gives this vision to Peter and Peter replies, no, Lord. And the old missionary tells the young man, son, you can't say that. You can't say no, Lord. It's a contradiction of terms. It's either no or it's Lord. You cannot put the two together. If he's Lord, if he's your Lord, you can't tell him no. And he handed this young man his Bible and he gave him a pencil and he said, I'm going to leave you alone. I want you to pray about this. And what I want you to do is when it's clear in your mind, it's clear in your heart and you know what you got to do, I want you to cross out one of these words, either no or Lord. You can't have both. And I wonder how many times do we fail to truly allow Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. We say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to obey you. I want to uphold the standards of your word. But I can't, I can't let this view go. I can't let this position go. I can't let my pride and my ego go. I can't change my stance. I can't change my willingness to sacrifice my livelihood to follow you. My, my blessed 401k to go to the mission field. Can't swallow my pride. I can't swallow my feelings. I've been hurt by people in the church. I've hurt people in the church, but now I'm not going to admit that. I can't change the way that I vote to uphold the principles of your word. Oh, I'm just being honest. Folks, let me be really clear. It's either Jesus is Lord over every part of our lives or he's Lord over none of it. It's either no Or it's yes, Lord. And if we're not so sure about that, I want you to understand that God can clean up even our unwillingness to change. God can clean up even your unbelief in who He is. If we just let Him. That takes to this final point. This is my favorite part about this passage. And that's as much as I love to the idea of taking up and killing and eating. And you're probably getting there by this point. It's not about food. God is saving and redeeming and cleaning up people for himself. And that's the last point is that God cleans up messy people. How many are thankful for that? You realize people are messy? The people business is the most 
messy business I think that we've got. I think that uh, uh, Mr. Rowe should come and, and do a dirty job with a pastor for about a day. It's messy. People have problems. People have issues. People have misinformed prejudices. They have misguided positions. They have messy pasts. They have lots of real world problems. But here's the thing. God loves people. And God doesn't just love some people. And that's the thing that he's trying to teach Peter in this amazing vision. So the command comes three times. The vision ends. And just imagine how confused Peter had to be. Just staring, maybe, maybe sitting there staring up into heaven right there on the Mediterranean coast. Wondering what in the world happened and why. And the lesson's twofold. One, thank God for this. It did mean that Peter and everybody else could kill and eat anything they wanted to kill and eat. Hallelujah. Thank God for that part of the new covenant, right? But more important than that, so much more than that, it meant that there was no longer, there were no longer clean people and unclean people. That the power of Calvary's cross and the blood of Jesus Christ was so much that it extended farther than Peter or anyone else could ever imagine. And here's here's what we're going to see in the coming verses. Read this this week. Peter's going to have to go to the home of Cornelius. He's going to have to enter this man's house. And normally, this would have been totally unacceptable. A Jew did not go into the home of a Gentile, an unclean pagan Gentile. But what God has made clean, do not call impure. And what's going to happen? Peter's going to go to this man's house. He's going to spend time with him. He's going to see people being saved. He's going to see these Gentiles filled with the same Holy Spirit that he himself had been filled with. He's going to realize it's not about the food. It's about God redeeming for himself a people, not just from this nation called Israel, but from every tongue and every tribe and every nation and every color and every background. It's like we said in weeks past, God can and will save anyone. The gospel is going to have much farther reaching effects than Peter or anyone else would have ever imagined. But the most important lesson for us today this is where I want to leave us. The most important takeaway this morning is that there is nothing, there is nothing beyond God's limits of making clean. There is no life that God cannot redeem. There's nothing that is beyond the extent of God's grace. You say, preacher, my past, you don't know my past. It's too messy. God can clean it up. You say, well, the thing is, though, I'm kind of proud about this. My views are pretty strong. It's been passed down from mama and papa and grandma and grandpa, and I just don't know that I can let this go. Listen, he can clean it. He can change your mind. He can change your heart. You say, man, my sin, though, it's too much. It's dark. It's dirty. The things that I've done, the things that's been done to me, it makes me feel dirty and dark. Listen, God said, I will wash, wash. I will. I will wash you white as snow and clean you. You say, my addictions, my problems, my hangups, my issues are too much, preacher. God says, there's nothing that I can't handle. All of that was put on Calvary's cross for you. And I can clean it up. Stand with us this morning. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you for passages like this that really challenge us. They challenge the way that we think about things, the way that we view ourselves. They challenge our motives, our attitudes. But Lord, at the same time, they remind us that there is a God in heaven that loves us dearly. That He would take the dirty and the broken and the shameful, the weak, the unworthy. That He would take the ashes of our lives and make them into something beautiful. Something useful. Something fit for Jesus' kingdom. God, this morning, I just pray that if there's something that we need to bring to You, just lay down at the altar once and for all. Just let it die. Whether it's past, whether it's something we're currently dealing with, God, I pray that You just take it. Give us clean hands, Lord. Change our hearts, our attitudes. And God, if there's someone here this morning that does not know Jesus, I pray that they would come to know Him today. They would know the peace the love, the freedom that comes through knowing Him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe this morning you got something that needs cleaned up. It could be your views. It could be your pride. It could be an addiction. It could be sin that you're struggling with. Maybe you need Jesus this morning. As we sing this song, I invite you to come and let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. And let's leave here with the Lord instead of without. And won't you come as we sing? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville, or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page. First Baptist Barberville.